Welcome to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning. Welcome into the podcast. It is December the 19th. The year is 2021. I'm Jay. And it's been a minute or two. And unfortunately, we have to start off uh, with some uh, tragic news out of Louisiana. Uh, South, uh, some people will say Bossier. I'm going to say Bossier. South Bossier Parish, uh, Louisiana. It's it's, uh, District 2. Uh, firefighter Jesse Henry uh, has died in the line of duty while uh, apparently uh, working on uh, a piece of equipment. Um, I, I think it was a tire. I could be wrong about that. It doesn't really matter exactly what he was working on, but uh, something catastrophic happened, and uh, and he died in the line of duty. Three-year veteran there, uh, and uh, has a little has a child and uh just just tragic news uh when you when you hear about these sorts of things nobody expects that that uh that that someone's going to leave uh home that morning and not come home uh after a tour is over after time at the station yet it happens and and certainly uh most firefighters most people are geared toward line of duty deaths occurring on scene but as we've learned people uh, die of line of duty deaths, uh, you know, years later. Take, for instance, uh, the September 11 uh, terrorist attacks. Uh, people died and, and continue to die from, from, the, uh, uh, from that event and events following, medical events and so on and so forth. Uh, my deepest condolences go out to the parish and to uh, the Henry family and to his uh, friends and and uh, others who knew him. Um, again, it's a tough thing to happen. Uh, coming on the 19th of December, it's tough any time, but let's be blunt. When it's around a holiday, it, it tends to deepen the grief for whatever reason. It, uh, it makes things more difficult. So, uh, again, uh, my condolences. Uh, I'd hope to do today's podcast... Uh, from my new location, I I had uh, decided to move, and and this is when when you uh, this is when stress goes up just a tick. So there you are, right? And uh, you're ready to move. You have good movers coming, uh, not really good, but good guys coming, and uh, they're ready to come help you. And at the last possible second. Uh, you find out that the move fell through. Now, I would love to be able to just rant and rave about uh, how this fell through, but frankly, it, it's not the right thing to do at this particular time. Um, so I'm still where I was before, which is interesting. But I, yeah, I'm still there. Did not move uh, because it fell through. And uh, we'll update you in the future as to how that may proceed as it were, although you can imagine, um, you know, when you're 
one of the worst things, I'm going to talk about this particular part. One of the worst things is how you set up utilities and everything else in the new place. And then you, you say, okay, cut it off on this date at the old place. And then when you don't move, now you got to scramble. And it's not that it's uh, something where you have to physically go to the place. That's not it. But things get mixed up. Uh, mail gets mixed up, for example. And, and so suddenly you have mail that's somewhere, but it's not at the new place and it's not at the old place. And you have a postmaster at the new place and a postmaster at the old place who aren't very good at what they do. And so now you have a problem. So anyway, a little bit of frustration there. But when is a move not a move? Yeah, it's when you don't move. So again, keep you updated as we go along. Over, I'd say, the last month and a half, six weeks, it seems as if not every day but every other day, uh, I'm getting a text message or, or an email with a picture of a piece of fire apparatus that's been involved in an accident. And it, it, I'm sure statistics show uh, and will show next year that, that this is just a normal thing. You know, you have your, your peaks and valleys. We all wish for the valleys where you had no apparatus accidents. But that's not the case. That's not what happens. At any rate, it sure seems like there have been an awful lot recently that have been involved in accidents, either uh, being hit, hitting another vehicle, um, rolling over, uh, running into buildings. Uh, and I, I know in one case, tragically, three people lost their lives. Um, I believe it was two in a car and a pedestrian uh, as, a, as a fire truck hit a building. Uh, just, you know. And then yesterday, I think I saw a video, I think it was yesterday, yeah, um, uh, a friend of mine in, uh, in Ocala, Florida, sent me a video. This didn't happen in Ocala, but I don't know where he got the video. It was a fire truck that was run off the road and, and ended up uh, hitting a vehicle. And I tend to believe that video is older, uh, but I'm not sure. I haven't sent a text back to ask. He'll hear this, so let me know. Uh, so lots of accidents recently. And, you know, it, it almost always happens when accidents happen. I, I tend to get emails, not not just of the videos, but people asking, hey, why is this going on? What are these people doing? Why aren't they training? Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, the vast majority of Americans drive. We do. Get out, we drive. It's what we do. And there are a lot of people on the roads. And as the population increases, think about it, as the population increases, more people are on the road. Infrastructure doesn't always follow. You have some cities where things are just extremely tight. You have other cities that have huge problems on the interstates. Um, you know, you have uh, impatience at an all-time high. Road rage is, is out there. And the bottom line is things are going to happen. We don't want them to. We don't, but they happen. As to training, you know, it's one of the interesting things about, about driving, uh, driving apparatus. You could train people all day long, and they can be sitting there minding their own business at a red light, and you're going to get hit, and guess what? You're in an accident, and people are going to go, huh, there's the fireman again. They're out there getting hit or hitting people. No, that's not the case at all. So you can only control what you can control, and you should, and then it's left to chance. Some people don't like that. Let's be blunt. Some people want a perfectly safe environment that doesn't exist. So, you know, accidents happen. They're going to happen. Um, 
And as long as your people are trained and and uh, you catch things that you should catch, sometimes it's the apparatus. Let's be honest. Uh, sometimes it is the driver. You know, and I got asked a question. I want to throw this out. I know my answer to it. I won't share it until the next podcast. Um, but somebody wrote me in, wrote in and said, hey, you know, what we do is uh, our battalion chiefs, when they go around to the different stations uh, around once a month, they ask for everybody's license to look at it, to uh, to see that they they actually have a license. And, uh, and I recall uh, when I joined the first fire department that I belonged to as a as a paid firefighter, uh, there was a battalion chief also on our department on one of the shifts in a different battalion than I was in, and uh, he would come around and check licenses too, and he actually popped a couple of people for not having the license. Now, here's the thing, you know, does the license prove you've you've not had any issues? No, you'd have to run a a driving report. Um, and I also know that when I mentioned this, uh, I mentioned this oh, about three or four years ago, I was living in the upper Midwest and uh, was doing a local podcast there with several firefighters from, from that city in which I lived. We were having a good time. We started talking about that. And uh, one of them said, you know, I don't think they can do that. And I tended to agree with him. I, I don't know that you can do that now, but I want to hear what, what others have to say. Is this something that happens in your department. Um, you can reach me at editor at usfirejournal.com. Uh, those of you who have my number can text, uh, call, whatever. But it is interesting. Um, how does this work? Uh, is it legal in your state, whatever, jurisdiction? Is it something that's done regularly? It, you know, again, uh, I'm not saying it's a good thing. And, and in the next podcast, I'll, I'll talk about it more. Uh, certainly. Well, if you've uh, if you've been conscious for more than than an hour, you probably have heard about Omicron and Decepticon and whatever these these uh, COVID derivatives are, and of course COVID. Um, it's starting to heat back up, as it were. I know in the National Hockey League, um, the some teams have canceled games. And it appears as though the, the league's going to do the same thing. Of course, the NFL is trying to go in the opposite direction. They're trying to play their games out. Um, and they are stopping the random or the necessary te- or the testing for people who are vaccinated. Um, not sure what any other league does. Not really, don't really care. But, uh, and, and that, that's very visible. Um, you know, it, and, and so when we look at the fire service, you know, what kind of impact is this having in the fire service? And, and one of the things that, that I would say is that during this entire COVID-19 uh, issue, uh, pretty much firefighters, EMS, law enforcement, they've been showing up to work and working. It's the way it is. Um, so, the you know, people talk about the COVID reality with respect to sports. Well, the reality with respect to public safety is, is that public safety is still doing their jobs. Um you know, they, they're they out there responding to calls. They're going in dealing with sick people. Um, they're doing everything that they did before, uh, with the exception of, of wearing a mask um, into a place, if, if that's still in play in your particular area. And it's interesting. I, I was out of state um, a couple days ago, 
and uh, I was in uh, I was in a town, and I went into a grocery store, and almost everyone in there had on a mask. Almost everyone. Where I live, that's simply not the case. Um, and then going through another state, I decided to stop again. Uh, there's this drink I like. It's a BioLite. I can only get it at one particular grocery store thus far. So I went into a grocery store, and there was nobody in there. Well, actually, there was one person in there that had a mask on. So this whole reality thing, as we see it across uh, the fire services, is that it, it depends a lot upon where you live. And I guess it depends a lot upon uh, how, uh, how people are, are viewing it in your particular area. And so when we talk about a COVID reality, we're actually not talking about a COVID reality. We're talking about a reality that occurs in each place. And so someone's uh, uh, obsessive masking, and then you have the other side where someone's obsessively not masking, it typically falls in between those. And, it, you know, that's the way that goes. It is. And so you're looking around trying to figure out what's going on. And as we get closer to Christmas, um, we'll see how this plays out. I don't know, and this is just off the top of my head, I don't know that we've seen any deaths or anything related uh, to Omicron or Omnicron, Decepticon, whatever, uh, Foxcon, whatever the case is, uh, these names. Uh, I'd prefer they just numbered it. You know, number 23. 20, let's not do Jordan's number. Number 26. You know, this is number 26. This is virus 26. It, it takes a lot of the idiocy out of it instead of calling something Omicron or Omnicron, whatever it is. So the reality is it's different for, <laughs> it, de it depends on where you're living. I had a great conversation when I was out of town. I, I stopped at a fire station, had a great conversation with a guy I've known for a long time. Um, he's now uh, a deputy chief in a, uh, in a fire department. And uh, he and I were, uh, we used to, we, well, to put it blunt, we used to party together. Um, just a good guy, a lot of fun to be around. And uh, just salt of the earth, great firefighter. Um, and we were talking about it, and, and he's talking about some of his guys that, that they had, and he called them the do-nothings. And uh, uh, he started explaining about, uh, about these people, and I said, I'd like to talk about that on, on the podcast. And he said, sure, just don't mention any names. But the do-nothings, I, I mean, and, and this is... Uh, my version of what he told me, I'm going to paraphrase it, obviously, but he talked about the people who are always the first to complain, always the first to gripe, um, but they're also the last to want to do a single solitary thing, um, no matter what. They don't want training. They don't like training. Um, if they do train, they don't want to train again for another year, uh, let alone later that afternoon or another shift. Um, and he went on to describe, and most of you are familiar with the do-nothings. We might call them by a different name, but it's the people who just simply, they exist. Um, and there's always a reason why they're not willing to do anything. And you know, and this is my own take on it, it is corrosive to the structure of a fire department or, or a fire station, a particular crew or crews. You get people like that. And uh, in their own way, they kill morale. And they kill it because the people who do work understand that they're getting away with not doing anything. 
And ultimately, what it comes down to is poor leadership. If you have a leader, um, and this is at the company level, battalion, district, division, you know, department. If you have a bunch of do-nothings, it's the leader's fault, period. Starts with the company officer. Then it goes to battalion, district, whatever. Then on up. Ultimately, though, I mean, ultimately it ends up with the fire chief because the fire chief, hey, you're going to get the glory, you get the pain. That's, the, that's what the job is. Um, but it's a failure in leadership. If some of your people are working hard and others are doing nothing or next to nothing, that's a failure in leadership. And the only way to correct that is to apply leadership to the situation. And some don't want to do that. And they will claim that, well, I'm just trying to keep the peace. Keeping the peace is fine. But here we're talking about something, you know, people who are lazy. And, and here I'm talking about someone who doesn't want to do a thing. People who are lazy, they, they didn't just get that way. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, and it won't go away unless you challenge them. You may have to challenge them in, in ways that that particular person doesn't like. But if they can't respond to the challenge of doing their job, doing their share, then the next logical step is to discipline them and or at some point seek termination. And i got to be honest with you, nobody should want to do that. You know, worry about people that want to fire people on a whim. I don't like that. Um, however, if a person has progressively been given opportunities to get better, do their job, and it's not happening, then you get into situations where it, it frankly, it becomes necessary. And uh, it is oftentimes a huge relief when it happens. I've been there when it's happened. Um, when uh, we had a, a guy that was on our crew, that was on a crew I was on, um, just wouldn't do anything. We tried to motivate him in many different ways. Back then you could do that, um, and it didn't work. Ultimately, uh, we got a new captain, and the captain said, no, this isn't happening. And uh, this guy was given multiple opportunities. He was uh, removed from our crew, put with another crew. Uh, that worked for about two weeks, and finally uh, the battalion chief took it to the assistant chief who took it to the fire chief who uh, who ended up terminating the guy. Um, and you don't like to see it. You just don't. I didn't like it. But what do you do when someone's not willing to do the bare minimum? You know, and that's what we're talking about here. Think about that. I'm not talking about somebody who's going to grab some pom-poms, go out and be a cheerleader. You know, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing the bare minimum, which is a requirement, by the way. That's why it's called a minimum. Uh, imagine that. Imagine this. You have someone who can't do a minimum. What kind of loser is that? Honestly. You know, it, it's understand that, that this person is... Barely above, above a worm's helper. Not a worm, but a worm's helper. You know, and if you can't do the job, if you can't get motivated to do the job, then leave. It's 
poor leadership to allow it to remain behind. And that's just a fact. And uh, there's no other way to to look at it that way. And, and let's be honest. Some of these people work so hard to get out of work. And, and they could give aspirin a headache. That's the kind of people these people are. They give aspirin a headache because... You know, you're pointing out that, that, you know, you have to do this and this is how much of the day it actually takes up to do these things. Plus, you have to perform on the scene, which is the most important thing. Um, but still. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pain and there's no way around it. That's going to do it for today. I will be back tomorrow and uh, I'm going to have a few rants tomorrow. I've been working on something and want to talk about that. And, uh, uh, and again, uh, please send your thoughts out to Louisiana, uh, line of duty death there, Jesse Henry. And uh, whatever you do today and tomorrow, stay safe.